You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, what if, alongside algebra and biology, high school students were taught how to manage debt and save for retirement? The demand for this kind of work is in part coming from kids saying, I don't understand the sort of fiscal environment in which I'm entering. And warm winters are threatening a long-standing Rochester tradition, backyard ice skating rinks. That period in winter when it gets cold enough to build a backyard rink, that period is falling later and later in the calendar year. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at ROCVOX.com. So, a while ago, a few of us at WXXI were talking about things we wished we'd learned in high school. Some people were talking about home ec, like they wish they'd learned how to bake or sew. Some people didn't get the opportunity to take shop or learn how to work on a car, for instance. And the topic of financial literacy came up. And it was just so weird to us that things like managing finances or budgeting or learning how credit works, these are all such a huge part of adult life, but they're not part of a standard curriculum. But then my colleague James Brown learned that some local lawmakers are trying to get into schools in a standardized way. And even more, some schools are already teaching this on their own. He has this story. There's an energy in the crowded halls at the School of the Art. It's right outside of downtown Rochester, next to the Memorial Art Gallery. While most students are running from lunch to English or performance classes, Tanae Mitchell-Lawrence is learning about Kelly Blue Book values. We're learning how to buy used cars. She's in 11th grade and takes one of Dale Cox's math courses. I like um, what we're learning, like because we're learning math, but we're also learning about the financial stuff that we're, we'll need in the real war, world. Like credit scores, how to do taxes, what to expect from a paycheck, or even how much apartments cost. The kinds of things that most people don't learn until they're forced to, as adults. More and more school districts are introducing these kinds of ideas in high school. At Hilton High, Teresa Jason is teaching something similar. We've talked about checking and banking. Uh, We've talked about savings. We've talked about interest on savings. 15-year-old Corey Lombard is in her second financial literacy course at the school. She didn't know much about it before taking them. I knew, like, the basic stuff going in, like, oh, don't spend a lot of money. She says her interest in the topic comes from overhearing her parents talk about money, interest payments, and bills. The courses filled in the white space for her. But now I'm learning about, like, different terms and different taxes and different bank account names and different, like, jobs and all of this. And it's just, it really helps in the future. Sentiments like these are no surprise to Kevin Maywisson. He's the chair of teaching and curriculum at the University of Rochester's Warner School of Education. The demand for this kind of work 
is in part coming from kids saying, I don't understand the sort of fiscal environment in which I'm entering. With worries about things like inflation, mounting bills, and job insecurity, there's a lot of cultural and financial angst at the moment, which he says kids notice. They feel underprepared. They feel like there's a lot of things happening in the world around them that have personal financial implications, and they don't necessarily know how to make sense of those things. Half of the nation's state legislatures considered financial literacy mandates this year. Just under a dozen of the bills became law. New York lawmakers have considered this for years. The latest version is from two Monroe County lawmakers, Republican Assemblyman Josh Jensen of Greece and Democratic State Senator Jeremy Cooney of Rochester. Jensen, who's 32, wrote the bill because his generation is struggling with their finances. My colleagues in the world, people I graduated with and younger, have been struggling with the financial decisions they have to make as adults. But there are a few issues with mandating this new curriculum. One is how to pay for it. With a finite amount of time and resources available to most schools, Kevin May Wisson says figuring out which programs and courses get prioritized is complicated. That tension is a tension that has been persistent since the dawn of public education. But Assemblyman Jensen says this mandate wouldn't force schools to cut or minimize other programs. While it is uh, another requirement of our schools, they don't have to create something new. They don't have to incur more costs. They just have to implement it into something they're already doing or if they'd like introduce a new class. Another issue is figuring out how financial literacy should be taught. May Wisson says he does not know of any studies on whether this kind of class is effective for students in the long run. And there's even less information on the best way to go about teaching it. There's not consensus among teachers necessarily. There's not consensus between or among school districts, and there may not necessarily be consensus among legislators or people who study these issues and how they sort of manifest in schools. And you see those differences playing out in Monroe County. At the School of the Arts, Dale Cox uses financial literacy to teach his students about math. On the day we visited, students played a game showing who knew the most math terms. Cox used grocery shopping as an example to explain outliers. Way out here, that price is called and what? And would you would you want to buy that if everything being the same? Would you want to buy that price? The idea is to show students how they could use math concepts outside of classrooms. The course's foundation is mathematics, but I'm doing it in a different kind of way, a real life way. So it makes the math more understandable for, for the students. At Hilton High, Teresa Jason walked her students through her own debt and explained how to take out a home equity loan. And then they actually look at it even one step further. They'll, they'll say, was he 30 days late? Was he 60 days late? Was he 90 days late? And then they'll actually look and see how many... Jason says she's showing students what they could face when they're older and what might be going on at home now. I think it's so necessary and so helpful and so important um, for these kids to, you know, to see what mom and dad are doing. Like most bills of this kind across the country, the Jensen Cooney bill left the how and what to teach for the state education department, school districts, and teachers to figure out. James Brown is a reporter for WXXI News.
Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. That's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. Winter is coming, even though it doesn't quite feel like it yet. Just this week, we had nights that dipped into the 30s, but days that were 60 degrees. These temperature swings are becoming more common and persistent throughout winter because of climate change. And here in Rochester, they're threatening a long-standing tradition of backyard ice rinks. For years, people have been constructing homemade ice rinks for neighborhood hockey games. But as City News editor David Andrietta reports, these warm winters are getting in their way. He has this story. For the last 10 years, Scott Vadney of Parenton has been a member of a fraternity of families around Rochester who build ice rinks in their backyards. He erects boards fashioned out of 2 by 10 pieces of lumber. Then he carefully lays down a plastic liner inside and fills it with water during the first cold snap of the season. When it works, it's magical. There was a time when a rink like his could have stayed solid enough for skating all season. But last winter was tough. By January, Vadney had a tub of slush. Recently... Anecdotally, it seems like it's not staying as sustained cold. Science backs up his observations and those of countless other Rochester backyard rink rats. Canadian researchers have studied the viability of outdoor skating seasons over eight decades, and the takeaway is clear. Milder winters are cutting into the number of days cold enough to maintain a homemade rink. That period in winter when it gets cold enough to build a backyard rink that period is falling later and later in the calendar year. That's Robert McLeeman, an environmental scientist at Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario. He said rising global temperatures don't mean an end to cold winters, but they do mean erratic freezing weather, which makes maintaining natural ice challenging. Back in the 50s and 60s, winters were just cold, and you can count on them getting cold sort of mid-December and just staying cold through January, February, and well into late March here in the Great Lakes region. We don't see that consistency anymore. It's much more variable like a yo-yo. Vadney has experienced the trend firsthand. There's been years when it's been a total washout. Last year, for example, we didn't get to skate on it but one time. For eight years, the authors of the study have collected data from outdoor rink owners for their website Rink Watch, which monitors winter weather conditions and the long-term impacts of climate change through the lens of the backyard rink mystique. Joseph Klimek and Melody King of Webster are contributors. The couple was admittedly spoiled by their first rink-making experience during the frigid winters of 2014 and 2015. Since then, though, their data show, the days conducive to skating have been outnumbered by the unfavorable ones. It's not something I want to lose out on, but I know plenty of guys who, who I play hockey with every week who have thought about doing a rink or, or used to that have kind of thought to themselves, it, it just seems like the winters are getting milder. And is it really worth it? Yet, like all families in the fraternity, Klimek and King persevere. Once you can finally get that first skate in, you just completely forget that you had to do so much work. The late legendary hockey writer Jack Falla wrote that resurfacing his backyard rink was as easy and pleasant a job as he ever knew. The water, he wrote, spreads like liquid wax, 
covering skate blade marks, flushing and sealing gouges, and leaving the ice smooth, gray, and inviting. Vadney can relate. There's times when it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. It's still, it's cold, but there's no wind. It's so quiet, the sky is full of stars, and I'm out there with a homemade Zamboni watering and smoothing out the rink, trying to get it as perfect as possible. It's almost a Zen garden for me. David Andrietta is the editor of City News. This story was originally produced last winter, and since then, Scott Vadney says he does plan on building a new rink this year, and he's getting started this weekend. And that's it for Earshot. Subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes in your feed every Friday. And find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. If you have any questions or comments about the show, shoot me a note at earshot at wxxi.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.